Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I bring you insights from players, coaches, parents, and experts who are ingrained in the world of high-level tennis. We have another great tennis parent episode this week with Callan Davidoff. Callan is the dad of 13-year-old Theo Davidoff, one of the world's best juniors. If you've been following us on Instagram, you might have seen Theo in one of our videos. Teos is an ambidextrous player and the comments on his videos are always plentiful. I first saw Teo play at the 2022 IMG Future Stars event where he got to the semis and I was seriously impressed with his skills and attitude. With his dad today, Callan, we discuss his background as a pro athlete come from a sporty background in Bulgaria. Callan is all about learning and has built up great knowledge on meditation, yoga, nutrition, Chinese medicine and tennis. We chat about the commitment he has made on just working, coaching Teo, studying the different fields in order for him to be a better coach. He also likes experiment and that's where Teo's journey as an eight-year-old began with becoming an ambidextrous player. He talks about the reasons why he wanted Teo to use his opposite hand and they all make sense to me. There's always a lot of criticism of his game online, how it won't handle the modern men's game and Callan gives us his thoughts on it. Finally, we talk about Teo's Olympic weightlifting, the importance of being athletic, controlling the mind and nutrition. It's a great episode and I know there's plenty to learn from and you'll enjoy it. Before we kick things off, a shout out to our podcast sponsors, ASICS. If you're looking for a new tennis shoe or running shoe, head over to ASICS.com to see their full range. My personal favorite is the Solution Speed as they are light and comfortable and feel great on. For coaches, I recommend the Resolution 9s as they have a bit of extra comfort and are great to wear all day. And if you dare to cover the court like Novak, I recommend his Court FF3s, which he helped design. They look great, which I know that is a great help when making a decision. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode and think others may find it useful, please share it with them. Okay, here's Callan. Hi, Callan. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Hello, Fabio. Very well, thank you. Uh, great to have you on and really excited. Tennis Parents are always really popular episodes here. And you have your son, Theo, is one of the world's best. Is he 13 yet or is he still 12? Yes, he, he just turned 13 uh, less than a month ago. Great. And I, I'm sure if once you're on social media, you would have seen one of his videos. He's the, for those that don't know, he's the ambidextrous, really good striker of the ball, crazy good hands. Uh, and yeah, he's really good. So I'm really excited to find out how you work alongside him, how he's got to be so good. But maybe you can kick things off and tell us a bit about yourself, Callan. Uh, well, I was born in a small town in the northwest part of Bulgaria. I grew up uh, in that part of the world uh, in a very sporty family. So my father was a volleyball coach and he graduated sports university, but he was one of those kind of multifaceted uh, athletes. He play, loved tennis, so he played tennis. He skied a lot. He played soccer, but he, his uh, main focus was volleyball, and he was a good volleyball coach. So since I was uh, two years old, I have been playing a lot of volleyball, and actually, I was actually, I, I think, uh, probably the youngest professional volleyball player in my country. I was 16 when I played, and as a junior, I got a lot of rewards for being the best player in the country. 
but I also started playing tennis. I loved tennis, and uh, anyway, for different reason, reasons, I cut my volleyball career short very young. I decided to not play anymore and just focus on tennis. I uh, kind of liked uh, depending on myself uh, in tennis, the individual aspect of it, and uh, I started kind of training more and then learning, studying the games. Uh, it was kind of late to from my part of the world to aspire from a for a professional career but at least i got to graduate the sports university and study to be a, a decent coach and then i had also a lot of other aspirations i studied uh, yoga in india i studied ayurvedic medicine then i graduated uh, chinese medicine herbal medicine and acupuncture i had um, i graduated from a Chinese medicine school in, in Colorado. So uh, life took me in, in directions of professional sports, but also wellness, spirituality, kind of holistic understanding of, of life, trying to, to stay healthy and, and close to nature. So this was, this is kind of where our kind of family life revolves around. What haven't you studied? You see, you know everything. That's amazing. Uh, I... Well, apparently a lot of things I haven't studied, but yeah, I got different interests and I pursued them. Most of them I pursued uh, before Teo was born. Uh, but some of them actually, like the Chinese medicine education I got when, when Teo was, was actually born. I started it when he was uh, uh, almost two years old, a year and a half old, and then I started actually studying Chinese medicine, and I studied uh, four years intensely, nonstop. It was an accelerated program. So, uh, meanwhile, I was actually working with with Tail. I was coaching him. I was going to work. I was going to school. These were kind of intense years. Actually, I remember most of those four years. I I got to get up very early in the morning, four o'clock to do my yoga. And then five 30 in the morning, we were, we're at the tennis courts because we had to, to go there before the members. So we, we can get a, a free court at the, the club in Colorado, Colorado athletic club, Monaco, where I, I used to coach. So in order to, to not get in a conflict with the, with the paying customers, we had to be there very, very early and, and use the, the free core time in the morning. And then I would go to school and then work and then train tail again and then study late at night, go to bed at midnight, 1 a.m. and get up at four in the morning next day again. This was pretty much my schedule for almost four years. It was tough, intense, but it worked out. Wow, that's uh, that's intense. That's uh, that's full on. And how old was Teo when he started playing tennis? When did he first pick a racket up? Uh, I have actually a funny video of him being in diapers and hitting a, a foam ball, which I, I connected to to a string and hung on a ceiling. So he was, I don't know, a year and a half old. Uh, yeah, a little maybe year and six, seven months when he first got a racket and started banging the the foam ball that was hanging from the from the ceiling in our apartment that we were renting at that time. And then when he was two and a half, I put him on the court and we started kind of training occasionally in the summer only when it was nice and good weather. 
and then slowly slowly started practicing more consistently but uh, we started practicing twice a day every day when he got to be four and a half years old so from four and a half i started coaching part-time in 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 colorado at a club and he started training every day twice a day and it's been like that since has it been like that since yes occasionally in the winters so we would miss a day or two at the most but uh, rarely two days mostly the sundays and then ski instead of tennis being the mountains in colorado and ski but it's it's not very common to to miss days from from practice so uh at least six days a week you know, twice a day since he since yeah the age of four and a half many times every day <laughs> well yeah well, that, that's that's what it takes and th the whole ambidextrous thing when did, did that start from day one or when did that come about how did that happen no 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 it didn't start from day one actually he was a normal right-handed player up to the age of eight and so then i just started getting these ideas to to experiment i i've always thought kind of outside of the box i think in terms of sports and tennis and in general i i'd like to, to experiment and try new things and be open-minded so yeah i i wanted to actually try to see if i can affect his his mind his psyche his emotions his behavior through engaging the non-dominant side of the the body because uh you know even even some some the some therapies uh, used for let's say ADHD kids uh, use uh, stimulation electric stimulation of the of the right side of the body actually to affect the the left hemisphere of the of the brain in our case it's the opposite I was trying to actually to to stimulate the the right hemisphere of the brain the one that's a little more calming uh, more meditative more you know uh, introverted more balancing and calming because Theo is super outgoing extroverted social engaging so uh, it was it was just an experiment i didn't know if i have actually any any scientific support of that that by <laughs> engaging the left side of the body more you can actually uh, affect the behavior or the mind or the or the the psyche but at least I knew I would I would improve his coordination and make his body a little more balanced. <laughs> and I, I I had I had had experience already at that time because uh, in the past when I I played volleyball I I was injured at some point my right shoulder was injured so I had to start using my left arm and spike with the left side of the body and uh, actually when I came back from the injury started using the right arm the dominant arm not only it had not gotten worse but uh, it, it was the opposite my my right arm felt so kind of coordinated and easier to to use and, and better than before the injury so i was like oh i can i can probably use that for tail so actually by by training the opposite arm you you, <laughs> you affect the the dominant too so it's it's a very interesting process and uh only experience can can teach people exactly how how it feels it's some sometimes you and it, it becomes a very deep intricate internal uh process where one side of the body teaches the other versus 
having an external coach or factor that, that, that tells you always what to do. So in the beginning, when we're going through the process and learning the, the strokes, the coordination, I would ask himself to, to teach himself. I'm like, okay, do it with your right side, do it slowly, do it at different speeds and try to copy, try to teach the left arm, try, tell your right arm to teach the left arm. And then you, you go into more details with your dominant arm too. So you learn to, to do the motions at all different speeds, which I believe is important. And you, you need to be able to, to do every stroke, every movement uh, at, at all speeds. You should be able to, to do it slow, fast, medium, everything. So uh, the process is, is interesting. Yeah, the, you raise yeah, the, the awareness is really interesting, and it, it it helps the. I'm sure it helps the player a lot understand the mechanics and what they need to do, and also the point you brought up about balance is important because we know so many tennis players are one side dominant, and it leads to long term injuries. Yes, yes, yeah. It, all these was motivating factors. Uh, I never aspired or taught or planned any tactical or strategic advantages of having two forehands or hitting bigger balls. This was never, never an idea when I first started uh, this this with him. But it, it might turn out to to be so. Actually, long term, we'll see. Yeah, we ask. We sometimes we put up the videos and we ask our fans, followers, is he right-handed or left-handed, and. I, I can't I can't remember the exact results. I should have looked it up, but definitely a lot of people don't know. You know, it's hard to tell. And it's kind of his game. He's very crafty, has a lot of great touch. And that really, that's more of a left-handed thing, isn't it? And it's funny, you say he's originally right-handed. So obviously all this time playing with the left-handed, he's been, the left side, the brain is working quite well. Yeah, yeah he, he was eight years old when we started doing the lefty. When he started, occasionally I would I would use the left arm, but more so like all other you know coaches and players who occasionally would hit a few lefty forehands to work on their backhand to support their two-handed uh, backhand. But uh, at the age of eight, then we started specifically working on the back on the lefty, and then uh, yeah, we would uh, assign more time and effort on the left side because. Right side by then was already pretty well developed, like coordination-wise, technique-wise. At, at eight, I, I think he, he had pretty much the the full package as a as a player, like technical. He was just a, a small dude and uh, <laughs> like a kid, but but technically he, he had already had so so many hours on the court that he was looking good. So I I could afford actually to spend more time on the on the left side. And uh, yeah, this this has been the journey. He still still has a lot of things to work on, but slowly, slowly the puzzle kind of comes together. You know, slowly, slowly. We we still have a lot of work to do on the backhand. So he he has actually this good backhand. His riding backhand is is very good. So this this was also tough for him because he had to give up initially a very strong shot because he could go down the line anytime on his uh, right-handed backhand he could do everything his backhand was like actually probably better than his forehand when when we made the switch uh, and and uh but now he's much happier with the two forehands now we still have more work to do on the lefty two-handed backhand uh, his lefty one-hander is actually better than righty <laughs> one-hander but but the righty two-hander is better than lefty two-hander. It's it's a little weird how, how it goes. But we, we 
but but yeah we were still slowly slowly whenever we have time not depending on the schedule now when we're in in, in tournament modes or before tournaments we don't have much time to work on backends because he, he doesn't use them much in, in point play but uh lately he's been actually for some reason very inspired and motivated to to work more on his on his backends he wants to keep filling the gaps to keep improving even on the, in those shots that he doesn't use much how, how do you see the game planning out long term as he gets older and moves into the men's game do you do you see there's a lot of criticism online about two forehands can never make it online never been done there can be a first but how how do you see it playing out in your head or is it too early to say i think he will always play two forehands and two surfs that's uh that's my opinion uh however Having said that, I'm not asking him to, to do that. It's going to be his choice. That's why we're training all the shots and he will have choices. And they will pretty much all be good choices, I think. It's, uh, I'm not going to leave him with, with many weaknesses. Uh, his success or not will not depend on whether he plays two forehands or not. It doesn't matter. You play forehand or backhand, the shot needs to be a good shot. It needs to, to have a lot of speed. It has to have a lot of rotation. The ball needs to rotate and bend and dip in the, in the deep part of the court. That's, that's for sure. That, that's non-negotiable. So whether it's a backhand or forehand, it doesn't matter. The ball, the ball needs to, to come strong out of the racket. It needs to have a lot of speed and rotation and dip in the court. Men's game is, is about a lot of athleticism. In in my own mind, putting tennis in the simplest words, it is about all about foot speed and racket speed. If you can run fast and swing the racket fast, you have pretty good chances of, of playing decent tennis. No matter how crafty you are, no matter what kind of magician you are with the racket and what touches you can produce, if you cannot get to the ball, or you're not balanced, there's nothing you can do with the ball. So his True. future is, is all about athleticism. And he's not going to be tall, and uh, everyone knows it. We know it too. Uh, however, I'm not uh, overly worried about it. Yes, it's going to be more difficult for him compared to other people. Yes, he's going to be a, a David against Goliaths most of the time. He will always have to work harder. He will always have to train harder. But who knows where he can go? I have no idea. But is, is the, the two forehands the factor that's going to fail him? No. Uh, I think it's, it's something that's going to give him much more advantages, actually, especially being able to serve out of both sides and open the court. Still, you cannot see it as much because he's still in a kid's body and not very tall. And also his um, body mass is, is not very big so uh it, it's hard to see that advantage right now even though uh people who who watch close understand i can even see 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 it now but uh long term that that's going to help a lot the the ability to to have a lot of variety on the on the serve and uh having two forehands it it's it's going to help did i read somewhere or did i see somewhere he can squat twice his body weight yes yes actually three years ago when he was 10 he could uh, actually deadlift two and a half times his body weight. Uh, 
recently he, he hasn't tested it and uh, we've been on the road traveling in Europe. He hasn't done his Olympic weightlifting training for, for more than three months now. When he go back to the States in a few weeks, uh, he'll get back to his regular routine and continue with that. But uh, yes, yeah, he, he has and he, he regularly does Olympic weightlifting training. He doesn't just do fitness or lift weights, he trains Olympic weightlifting. That's a big sport in your country. Uh, yes, it's it's a big big sport in country. It, it didn't start for us here. Though, but, uh, been aware of this sport. We've been a fan of this sport since young age. We always watched Olympic weightlifting, followed it. It was always on TV as I was growing up. Uh, actually, uh, we're in Europe. Actually, and you're in in, in the UK. So uh, you're aware of many of those sports that are not actually very uh, popular in, in the US. But uh, as we were growing, we would follow the world championships in weightlifting and Olympic games, as well as many other sports like wrestling and gymnastics and artistic gymnastics and all those sports that are not very popular on TV in, in, the, in the States. So I didn't grow up doing Olympic weightlifting, unfortunately. But yes, we 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 come from a, a place where the tradition is is still alive, and it was always in my mind. And I had always heard from my father, who graduated the sports university, that Olympic weightlifters are the most explosive athletes, and they're the the athletes that produce the longest broad jump, and they're the fastest in the first ten yards or ten meters yards. And years ago, there were research that our Actually, Olympic weightlifters did better in, in 10 meter uh, starts and sprints than our uh, silver medalists from uh, 100 meters uh, Olympic Games. So I've always known that, being aware of that. So I exposed Teo and, and he actually loved it and he gradually uh, started, uh, you know, the, the process and learned the technique with a good coach. And it was... Uh, scientific and progressive he started with pvc bars and then sticks and this and that and slowly got the technique and actually he's he's very good at the the technique he's very good in in, in all the moves he's he's good at the clean and jerk he's he's and with with and his coach actually trains him uh trains the the split in the jerk on on both sides as, as instructed by me because he needs to to keep his balance to, to support his ambidextrous tennis style and balance on both sides so yeah it's uh he he, he does he, he he trains a lot on court and, and off court quick break to mention the functional tennis saber our 37 square inch tennis racket which helps you build consistency turning losses into wins it's used by top 10 pros to aspiring juniors to competitive park players all over the world so far we've shipped it to over 75 countries if you are looking for the training tool to help win those pivotal moments in a match, head over to functionaltennis.com to get all the info and where you can also read over 400 reviews on how others all over the world are using the Sabre to improve their game. Okay, back to Callan. So, so let's say you're in Europe now, you guys are just playing some tournaments, you've been there for a while. Uh, yes, this, this, this is the longest uh, European summer that we've had since... Uh, since Teo has moved to the US. He first came to the US when he was a year and a half old and 
since then we haven't had much chance to spend time here we've always come for a week or two we've always been busy with with work and uh this is the first time we've we've had uh we've had so so much time in in europe spend time with with relatives everyone is, is here it's only tell myself and and my wife that uh, that live in the u.s all other relatives grandparents everyone is, is here in bulgaria so it, it's great to, to spend some time with them to to help them also to explore the european tennis environment and scene so it's it's it been good and from your trip here how do you describe the difference between the u.s tennis environment and the the European tennis environment, which do you think in the long term is better for Teo's game? Well, it's, it's a very, the, the last question is very difficult to answer. Um, I have no idea which environment would be better for him. Like for sure, he's still much better on hardcore. It, it kind of supports his style the, the most. He grew up in Colorado in high altitude where ball the ball is very fast, hard court, indoor court. And with his size too, he had no other choice but take the ball early on the rise. So most of the, of the tennis in the US is is hard court and we also have employed lots of tournaments on hard true on the green clay. Uh, but it's it's great for him to to train and play the the clay court tournaments here in Europe now. It it, it adds extra aspects to his game and to his mind also. It, it teaches him to work harder, to be more patient, to construct points. I think it uh, uh, develops both physical but also mental and psychological qualities. So I think that the the combination of all is is, is good. But I, I think I see some difference. I think the U.S. junior kids are a little more aggressive. They take the ball on the rise. They, they come to the net a little more. I think their volleys are better. But maybe the Europeans are a little tougher, a little uh, more kind of stamina, endurance. They can construct the point. They're a little more patient. They can loop the ball a little more. They're, they're fine with that. They're just fine staying back and rallying from the baseline. I don't see that in, in the Americans. They're a little more impatient, but at the same time, <laughs> they, they, they train different skills. So I think yeah. having the chance to, to, to try, taste, experience both is, is, is good. It, it makes you a little more complete. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good place to be where you see both sides the kind and get to work on both sides. And so when you go back to the States, what's a typical day look like for yourself and for Teo? A typical day, we... He wakes up uh, probably around 6, 6, 15, uh, does a short yoga practice, and then uh, eat, eats breakfast, and then uh, we go to the academy where we start at 7. So 7 a.m., he starts practicing. We used to practice. Now, actually, as we go back, uh, we have to adjust to the new a little newer environment we're not certain exactly how it's going to be but it, it has been that way for the past two years since we moved to florida so uh, seven to nine twenty tennis practicing is including warm-up and some kind of uh fitness on the court tennis specific fitness and we finish about around 9 20 then we go to the gym finishing there 10 10 15 morning practice finishes he goes home 
does his study and, and, and homework and school. Occasionally, midday, he has uh, three times a week. He has, some. Uh, I think, twice a week, he has midday Olympic weightlifting practice. And once, he has uh, early evening practice, like 5.30. So um, uh, he has lunch, of course. And we're back to the practice court at 3. So he practices tennis 3 to 6. And uh, actually, 3 to 6.20 including tennis, live ball, sometimes again a lot of uh, we start the afternoon practice with uh, lots of sprint agility drills or plyometrics for the first 30 to 45 minutes and then we go to tennis. So he finishes around 6.30. So these are the group practices but then many many days I would work with him in addition to that uh, individually like either after the end of the morning practice or we would go two o'clock work two to three and then the group session starts so this this is a typical kind of monday through friday schedule uh on the weekend either tournaments or we'll just work individually and now that we go back there'll be some changes there have been some changes in the, at the academy that we we practice and i coach so we'll see and you're the main coach Yes, yes. Like one on one, it's it's ninety nine point nine percent me. But he in the academy, he he can be on anyone's court, but uh, still most of the time supervised by by me. The big question is, how do you mix the father slash coach relationship? What's your advice for handling that? <laughs> I don't know if I'm a good person to advise. Actually, <laughs> of course, it's it's very difficult. Everyone knows it, and do we fight? Of course, all the time. And fights, <laughs> there's uh, high voices, there's yelling and screaming, but it, 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 it it's normal. But we, we're still in a great relationship. I think, I think we we, we both love each other a lot, and uh, yeah, we there's a lot of emotions in tennis. There's no other way. If there are no emotions. I don't think there'll there'll be the the energy, the 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 resource for for the performance. So. It's it's normal. I have no advice. I I'll just say <laughs> whatever it is you need to keep going. But I don't think there's there's a stronger kind of driving force behind a player than than a parent. It's 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 very difficult. This sport is is very unique. Not like other sports. It's like not like the not the team sports. It it takes a lot and i'm saying that also from a, a place of experience because i played volleyball at a very high level and i played decent level tennis i kind of played college level tennis i also graduated a sports university with a degree in tennis coaching i got a bachelor's in physical education and tennis coaching and i also after that studied a high sports performance in tennis a master's degree um, but tennis is unique um, it, it takes a lot so i Thing there's no stronger driving force than, than a parent. A strong parent must be present, maybe not direct in the day-to-day training, uh, like like in our case, but still they they need to be present. They need to be taking the the parents need to be taking the the most important decisions. So it's it's been it's been a, a tough journey even even though it, it it's probably still in the beginning actually we're, we're not yeah. even, we have not even be, begun the the real journey and that that's also the 
the difficulty in tennis. See, when when you think you have accomplished something, it's not even the beginning. You, it always comes the the next level, the next stage where where you you start all over. You start from scratch. You think you're a good junior? Well, you scratch it off because. Uh, once you start playing ITFs, you start from zero again. You, you you think you're good at ITFs, you can just delete it because when it's time for pro tournaments, you're at grand zero again. Uh, yeah. You think you've you've done something in pro- professional tournaments futures? Well, guess what? <laughs> it's 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 still far away from from your destination and then go. You, you you start from zero over and over again. So when you think you've worked hard, it it, it only shows you that. You haven't seen what hard means yet. There's a, there's always another level. Yeah, there's always there's always another level. So it's 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 just the the, the journey. And uh, Teo plays. You haven't played UTR tournaments. Yes, he has played some UTR tournaments, and recently he he started playing ITFs. You know, he uh, it, it just coincided uh, the way it worked with with our schedule and in our actually geographical positioning. It. it it worked fine. He he played his first ITF two days. He started two days after his thirteenth birthday, which is the first uh, moment when he's allowed to play. You must be at least thirteen to play. So he turned thirteen and he's he started his first ITF in in Kosovo, and it was on hardcore on his favorite surface, and and he won it actually. So he he. He won his first ITF. He started two days after his birthday, and he came back in four out of the five matches. Came back after, to to win them after losing the first set. So it was it was interesting, actually. That's that's great start. Uh, and he he has like a fighter attitude, uh, good work ethic. Where did that come from? Did it come from you know? Did you as an example? Do you think some of that comes from within? I don't know exactly. I, I, the, I, I think everyone, you know, he has their own soul, and and we as parents can only, you know, provide some some, you know, some biological material and some foundation. So the body is, is somehow related to us. But I think the 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 that the the most intricate, the most important part is is something unique. They they just come with it. They come with uh, what we call in yoga with their own samskaras archetypes. So everyone is unique, but you know, genetically, I don't know. I think maybe we, we, his mom and I maybe have some, some contribution. She, she was a good athlete. She was a diver. She was actually silver medalist in Balkan games. And she's a very hardworking, very disciplined, very organized person. She pursues her. Whatever is uh, her her goal, whether it's education or professional, whatever, very methodical, very systematic. He's uh, he's different though, but uh, maybe he has a little bit of that kind of uh, energy. And uh, yeah. I think I'm also kind of a person with with strong willpower. I I don't mind enduring difficulties and pain and uh, and I have tested myself in 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 those in in those departments many times in my life and I uh, undergo self-imposed difficulties many times you love it you love the pain yeah so I think he, he got a little bit of that but but he's he's very different different than us he's much more extroverted social outgoing artistic many people say that he can be a very successful 
comedian or actor if it, it was not tennis. He has great sense of humor. He's like different. He can dance. He can mimic people. He's just. <laughs> but the, yeah, he he can fight. But at the same time, uh, mental part of his game is he's still uh, one of the weakest. You know, still one of the weakest. He he can. Uh, he's very fiery and very extreme sometimes in his emotions and. All the kids are inconsistent, but in his case, yeah, maybe he has a degree of perfectionism. So really one shot can, can totally make him crazy. Just missing one ball that he thought he, he should make for sure. And, and it, it's typical for, for all kids, but in his case, I think it, it's more emphasized. It's, it's more extreme. So that's coming back to your one of your previous questions about the future. That's, that's also going to be one of the decisive factor how how far he goes in in tennis whether he's i don't know professional tennis player top 500 top 100 top 10 or one of the best in the world it's mainly going to be up to his mind to to up to the control of his mind how well he uh achieves to put his mind under control and the other factor will be the the body, the physicality, the athleticism. So ultimately, at, at, at the highest level, I think these are the decisive factor. And at the top level, it's it's by far the the mind. Um, but yes, it's uh, I believe in tennis, it's about the the athleticism nowadays and and the mind. So I think. For the last 20, 30 years, people started recognizing the, the importance of the, the athleticism and how we treat and take care of the body. And then this has been explored to a pretty high degree nowadays. We see how great of, of athletes tennis players are, and they become very professional about their fitness, their nutrition, their recovery, their rehab. And uh, recently, they've started paying more attention about the, the mind and, and the control of their mind. And we see now who is the, the best player ever. It is the person who can control his mind the best. So he's, he's the, the person True. who's explored, who has spent more time, uh, I think, practicing concentration, practicing some sort of meditative uh, states of mind not practicing but experiencing because you cannot practice meditation but you, you can experience it so uh yeah i think these are the 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 spheres where uh players can can explore to to achieve high degree of success in tennis or not you're, you're definitely right and one one thing i want to touch on nutrition uh you you know you're you're so educated in so many, I think, important facets of the sports person. And how, as a 13-year-old, is Theo handling nutrition? Do you actually oversee a bit of that, make sure he's eating the right things, or is it more eat whatever you want? <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> we, we're vegetarian, all three of us. Um we try to to educate him all the time and to kind of help his awareness improve regarding nutrition is he very disciplined i would say no from my perspective 
is he disciplined compared to other kids? Maybe uh, an independent person would say yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have no junk food at, at home, but he's a kid. Yeah, we we let him eat ice cream sometimes. He would 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 the, his taste taste buds are not different than any other kids. He would uh like some 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 things that are not very healthy he would he he likes pizza do we eat pizza regularly no but <laughs> does he like it yes we we try to not eat much gluten because it doesn't affect any of us well it's, it's especially him i can tell immediately if he has eaten gluten or not uh but yeah we we uh, nutrition is very important in our family uh, we have studied a lot. I've studied nutrition from uh, uh, sports performance point of view, from Ayurvedic medicine point of view, from yoga perspective, from Chinese medicine perspective, from Western nutrition. I have also tried it and experimented with it on myself, not, not only read and believe, but I always kind of try to experiment. I've put myself on a variety of different diets, uh, so yes, it is important for us. We are aware of it. Uh, is he close to a perfect nutrition? No, he's very far, I think. But I think he's better than the average person or the average kid. We we home cook pretty much everything, unless we have no choice. Sometimes we're on the road, and then we we try to to have a simple but healthy choice. Not always possible in in any part of the world in in in, in the states sometimes it's uh actually mm, challenging to find good cooked vegetables uh in uh europe sometimes it's hard to find non uh, animal protein it's hard to find a good nutritional food without without wheat without the the pastry in it so there there are always some some challenges, but we try to 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 always find a way. Nice. And so, so what is on your journey so far? What's so? What's one bit of important advice you feel other tennis parents should know on this journey? As you say, it hasn't even haven't you've put in so much work and it hasn't even started yet. Like you know, I I need to give credit to a friend of mine. His name is Joe Tustin, and he's been our kind of best support throughout this journey. Uh, we have gotten a lot of invaluable advices from, from him, a lot of actually motivation. He's, and it, it helps because he's, he has seen our journey from the start and he's been very close, but at the same time, he's not inside, he's detached. So he can objectively see and I uh, respect him a lot and I give a lot of credit to him. He's been somehow of both tennis, but in a sense also a spiritual support for, for us and for me and Teo, because as you know, it's a very lonely and tough journey, but uh, he, he's, he's always sad and he has always told us, remember that the only important thing in, in junior tennis is to keep going. There's, there's nothing, nothing more than that. You just need to keep going. Things are never as good as they look. Things are never as bad as they look. You just need to keep going. So 
whatever tournaments uh, you win or lose, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, you need to keep going. This is just a period that you need to go through, develop, grow, grow take lessons, and then keep moving forward. That's, that's it. When times look uh, horrible, you need to just keep going. And have I ever thought of quitting? For sure. I, I think that there's no one person that never thought of quitting. I've, I've, every day, I've had periods where I've thought of quitting this process every day. But I, I, I thought about it, but I, I, it was kind of an external thought. I never believed in it. I knew it was, it was uh, actually illusionary. It was not a real thought. It was just hanging over my head. It was inside, but also not quite. So uh, I, I never believed in, in the mind, actually. So thoughts may come and go. They're, they're, this is the nature of mind to create thoughts. But uh, we should never trust trust the mind, and but but uh, have faith in the heart. Just just trust heart, not mind. So a bit like meditation, where the thoughts people think the thoughts don't come up, they do come. You just got to let them fly through. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, yeah, yeah. It it it's very difficult to to stop the mind, but uh, the moment uh, it naturally stops, then, then happiness dawns. So, Callan. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited in the future to see and hear of more great success from you guys. Uh, keep up the great work. Tell Teo we said hello. And uh, yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Have a great uh, rest of the day and all the best to you and to, to your listeners. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, check out our other episodes with some great tennis parents like Julia Framova. Tina Lee and Cinzia Jovinko, who are all parents of great up-and-coming tennis juniors. And there's so much to learn. You may not agree with them all, but there's definitely certain points that you pick up on which are a great help to you. Bye.